just to do a little bit of review because it's been a couple of weeks. Again, we talked about where does joy come from? Where does it come from? Well, joy comes from the Spirit of God. Joy comes from the Spirit of God. Joy is a spiritual force, and it is a force. And it is spiritual. God's filled with joy. God is surrounded by joy. In fact, I believe if you are in the presence of God, joy just radiates off of Him. Okay, God is filled with joy. If you want to write this scripture down, Psalm 1611 says, In His presence is fullness of joy. You get in God's presence and you stay there, you're going to leave with joy. You're going to be joyful. In fact, you couldn't be in His presence and be depressed. No one has ever gotten the presence of God and was sad and stayed there. In fact, that's how I know where a lot of you are at. Because when I don't see any joy on you, you know what that tells me? You really haven't been spending any time with the Lord. You've been spending time with problems. You've been focused on all the issues that are going on in life, and you've been letting those things absorb your thoughts, absorb your life, and guess what? No joy. And there's no joy to be found in this world, I promise. What's to be found in this world is temporary. You can find some temporary happiness. And as we discussed before, happiness is not the same thing as joy. Happiness is temporary. I'm happy that I got a raise and I'm sad that the washer went out. <laughs> so there goes my race. In other words, we can be up one moment, down the next moment. That's happiness. That's what this world has. And we remember we talked about, I think it was in our first lesson, that people chase after happiness. And guess what? They never find it. They never find it. Why? Because the moment you found it, something else comes and takes it away. And it, it's, happiness is fleeting. It's not something you can grasp. It just happens occasionally. Happiness is based on your circumstances. It's based on are things going good or are things going bad. Joy is completely different. How many understand this, that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, right? Does God change? No. Who needs to change? We need to change. God is good, all right? What I, I don't mean... He's just good. I mean, he's good in himself. He's God, and he doesn't change. Everything around him might change, but he is solid. Amen? That's why we can trust his word. He's faithful. He, he's immovable. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He does not change, and he is filled with joy. And see, joy is something that will sustain us when everything else around goes to the dog, so to speak. Everything goes wrong in life. Everything, uh, you know, you've heard the term, it hit the fan. I'm not going to say any more than that. But what I'm saying, the blank hit the fan. Well, when all that happens, his joy remains the same. I don't have to be sad just because I heard some bad news. Now, I might be impacted by it. I'm aware of what's going on, but I don't have to let that rule my life. And that's what we're talking about. Joy can sustain us right through all the difficulties of life. We can still remain joyful, even if it looks like everything is falling apart. And I'm going to share with you today how that's possible, how we can remain 
and his joy. Again, we said, in the presence of God is fullness of joy. Romans 14, 17 says, For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Now, where is the kingdom of God? Does anybody in here know where the kingdom of God is? Point right here. All right. The kingdom of God is within you. It is a spiritual kingdom. It's not a natural kingdom. When Jesus was on the earth, the disciples at that time, you know what they thought? Then the Jews around him thought that he was a king. There was no doubt about that. And they thought he would rise up and take over the Roman Empire. See, all they were thinking of was a natural kingdom, a a physical kingdom. But that wasn't what Jesus came to do. He came to build a spiritual kingdom. You and I are in the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is within us, in our spirit. God lives in me. Christ lives in me. That That is the mystery of the church. Christ in you, the hope of glory. In other words, he's in me. The devil ain't in me, he's in me. I can hear him. Now I can be in this world, but not of this world. That's why the kingdom of God is within me. So I'm among everything else in the world. But guess what? The devil has no authority over me. Because I'm what? In the kingdom of God, where Jesus is king. Amen? Say, Jesus is my king. Now say it again with a smile on your face. Jesus is my king. He's my king and he's not going to fail me. Amen? Now in this kingdom, listen, the Bible says we are to reign in life with him. Reign in life. Not be pushed around in life. Not be on the bottom. We are to reign as kings. Well, the Bible calls us kings and priests. Listen, if Jesus is the king of kings, how many degree? Now think about that for just a moment. He is the king of kings. Who is he king of? Kings. Say me. Man, talk like a king. Amen. Your words matter. When you speak, things change. Amen. When a king dictates his word, there's no going back on it. And we serve the king of kings, praise God. That means you and I are kings in this life. But look at this verse. Go ahead and bring that up again. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking. Now, what Jesus is saying here is the kingdom of God is not a natural kingdom. It is not a physical kingdom. It is not just about meeting our physical needs or our physical appetites or fleshly appetites. It's not eating and drinking, but righteousness. What is righteousness? Fancy word for I'm right, for, right with God. I'm right with God. Everyone here is. Say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. All right, so in Christ, I'm righteous. I can stand before the presence of God without any shame, without any guilt. Why? Because of what Jesus did. Amen? Because of what Jesus did. Now, that means I'm right with God. That's the kingdom of God. I'm right with God. And it says there, peace and joy in who? 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 Everybody. Who? Right. Who gives joy? God. Who gives joy? The Holy Spirit. God, right? Who is the Holy Spirit? The Spirit of Christ. He is the Spirit of God. And so I want you to see 
where does joy come from? It comes from God. It is a spiritual force. It is a spiritual... It's almost like... It's like being recharged by something, but it's sustained all the time. It's always there. Amen? Praise God. Now, the joy we talked about is also a fruit of the Spirit. Uh, you don't need to turn here, but if you want to write it down, Galatians 5, 22 and 23, it says that the fruit of the Spirit, or the recreated human spirit, that means the Spirit of God moving in us, what does He produce? Well, He produces a fruit. That fruit is broken down into, it's not fruits, guys. I want everybody to understand, it's not fruits of the Spirit. And everybody thinks, oh, love is a fruit, enjoy it. No, it is fruit. It produces fruit. And the fruit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and so on and so forth. The fact is, is that what does the Spirit of God produce in the believer's life? Joy, joy, love, joy, peace, praise God. And so these things are available to us. What I want to say is this. This might help a little bit better. Joy is a byproduct of having the Spirit of God in you. Joy is a byproduct. It is a natural result of being a Christian, a true Christian. Joy is part of a believer's life regardless of the circumstances they face. Regardless of whether things are good or bad or otherwise or whatnot, doesn't change a thing for the believer. How many believe that the Bible tells us to mimic or copy our heavenly father be like our heavenly father right we're supposed to be transformed into the image of christ we're going to be like him in other words if if we want a hero in our life who's our hero jesus right he is our hero and he's the one we want to be like that is the goal of our life to become more and more like christ how many would agree with me well the fact is is that he is filled with joy he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. How many of you know Jesus was not moved by the circumstances when he was on the earth that were negative, that would come at him? It didn't stop him one iota, all the way to the cross. In fact, how did he make it to the cross? He knew what was going to happen to him. He knew in detail the torture he was about to go through. I really do believe that the biggest thing Jesus faced was not, not having his flesh torn up the crown of thorns, the slapping around, the spitting on. I believe the thing that Jesus was most tortured about in his thought life, the thing that really pushed him was the fact that he would soon be separated from his father. See, Jesus had never been separated from the father. They were all the way back to the beginning. Think about that. Remember when Jesus was on the cross and he cried out in agony, why have you forsaken me? In other words, in his spirit, we went from darkness to light. He went from light to darkness. Totally cut off. See, God cannot fellowship with sin. And he became our sin. God laid the sin of all mankind on Jesus. He was the lamb that was prepared for us. And God laid the sin of the world on him. At one time, all the sin, all the sin, from the beginning to the end, everything was paid for at one time. And at that moment, Jesus, my God, why have you forsaken me? And from there on, now what did Jesus have to rely on? <laughs> you might say, how did he make it through that? Well, he had God's word. 
that promised that God would not leave his soul in hell. He had to rely on the... Can you imagine that? The only evidence, the only proof that Jesus had that he would make it out of this thing was the Word of God. Now, that Word of God produced joy. See, the Bible says, how did, joy, how did Jesus make it to the cross? How did he make it through that? For the joy that was set before him, Hebrews tells us. The joy. Everybody say joy. joy. Is joy, like I said, is a spiritual force. It is something that helps your faith. It all works together. But that joy will sustain you through the most difficult challenge you could ever go through. And some of you have gone through some very difficult heartbreaking, heart-wrenching, difficult things in life. And I'm here to tell you this morning that joy will help you go through those things and come successful on the other side. The key is not to quit. Everybody say, no quitting. you got to be like Rocky, and you just keep on getting back up. See, what was the problem with Rocky? Dear Lord, the other boxer, will you just stay down? And he just kept on getting up. He wasn't like he was the best boxer in the world. He just, what? Would not quit. He wouldn't quit. And until he just wore the other guy out. That's how he won. The other guy's... I mean, there was nothing left. It's just Rocky was the last man standing. (laughs) I mean, that's all it was. Well, sometimes that's you in life. And you're fighting and you're pushing and you're you're just... You feel like... And you just got to keep on getting back up. Just keep on getting back up. The righteous may fall what? Seven times, remember? But he keeps on getting back up. He keeps on getting... The Lord will help you. The Holy Ghost will help you. Get back up. Get back up. Get back up. Everybody say, get back up. That'd be a good title of a message, huh? (laughs) Listen, joy is a choice. Just like you choose to walk in love with a difficult person. You chose to walk in love. All of you have had that challenge. Somebody that's difficult, that's challenged, that's done you wrong or stabbed you in the back or whatever it might be, and you had to, okay, I can do this. I can walk in love. And you allowed that. Well, you choose joy the same way that you choose to walk in love. I choose joy. I reject sadness. I reject depression. I'm not going there. Amen? When someone's hum depressed, you chose to be depressed. You chose to be sad. You don't have to. Amen? How many know no one can make you do anything? Do you know even God himself will not override your will? I mean, you ever hear the expression, well, the devil made me do it. The devil didn't make you do anything. If the devil was so powerful and he could make us do anything, why are we still here? Why didn't he just wipe us all out? Because he doesn't have that kind of power. Amen? Amen. Listen to me. You can be your own worst enemy or your best friend. You you can be the one that encourages you to push on or be your own worst enemy. So choose the right one. Amen. So being happy, as we said, is not being the same as being filled with joy. For example, joy is not an emotion. Okay. It's not something that comes and goes depending on how I feel. I'm not playing games with someone's feelings okay someone may very well feel sad feel depressed and be not joyful so to speak okay but the reality is is that you don't have to go by your feelings you can choose to say you know what i may feel sad but i'm going to rejoice anyway 
And I'm going to show you how to do that this morning and how to overcome that, how to live a life above that sadness, above that depression, no matter what happens in life. And so, if you want to write this down, God's Word produces joy. God's Word produces joy. Now, the title of my message today is Filled with Joy. Filled with Joy. But God's Word produces joy. A a better way to say that might be this, is that God's Word stimulates the joy a believer already has. So in other words, God's Word stirs up joy. God's Word stirs up joy. Somebody might say, well, how would that happen, Pastor? How does it stir up joy? Well, listen closely. If you truly believe God's Word, then joy is stirred up as you act on the Word and are expecting the Word to work in your life. Now, it's one thing to know what the Word says, but it's another thing to take it and say, God's talking to me, I believe it, I'm acting on it, and if I'm acting on it and I truly believe it, then I'm expecting it to work in my life. As opposed to, wow, that's really nice, oh Lord, I thank you for your promise, and that's as far as it goes. And there are two categories of people. Didn't Jesus say there were two categories of people? There were those who hear the word, and what? That's as far as it goes. And there's those who hear the word and do the word. Everybody say, do the word. Say, that's me. I'm a doer. All right? We don't just hear it and say, oh, that's wonderful. That was such a blessing. So what's for dinner? Can't wait to hear next week's blessing. And that's as far as it goes. No, the person who's going to do the word says, bring it to me, preacher. Let's go. Give it to me so I can act on it, so I can see it work in my life. I'm expecting it to work in my life. And as I'm expecting it to work in my life, it manifests and I see it in my life. It's working in my life. And the other guy's sitting there thinking, man, I wonder what's so special about him. Why does God do all these wonderful things in their life, but I don't see it? Well, that's because they're just a hearer of the word, but they're not doing it. So it's almost like you're on the outside looking in. It's almost like, why are all those people having fun and having a good time and full of joy, but I'm out here and I feel like I'm on the outside? Well, that's because you haven't made a decision to do the Word, and you have to do the Word. There's no blessing in just hearing the Word. you got to act on it. you got to do it. you got to be expecting it. So let me give you an example. Let's say everything's going south in your life. i I got a friend, okay? (laughs) This is a good example. He's going to help me do something the other day. And he, his wife calls up, <laughs> and it's one thing after another. He was telling me that he's very good with his finances, and he's not a broke guy. He makes very good money, okay? But he, he has a separate checking account. One checking account pays all the bills and that kind of stuff, and he has a separate checking account that's the goof-off one. And what I mean is, is that no matter what's going on in this one, he has money that he puts away in here, and that's the vacationer fun stuff you want to buy or whatever, you know, which is actually a great way of handling things. He keeps them separate. Well, I guess he wasn't paying close enough and got a little low on this side and just was busy and didn't realize how low it had gotten and it bounced. But it didn't only go through the bank once, it went twice. And this bank, 35 bucks a pop every time. So now he's got the $100 check he wrote (laughs) plus 35 and 35. He's like, my bad. I screwed up. 
it's just one of those things, you know. And Well, then he's going to help me actually move something. It was real simple, and he's going to help me move it. <laughs> his battery dies in his truck. Then he gets home, <laughs> his wife is going to meet him to go get the battery out so they can get it replaced. He gets home, and he's trying to, he's like, man, I'm hungry. I'm going to go get something out of the freezer in the garage. And he goes out in the freezer. Apparently, it hasn't been working for a couple weeks, and it's full of flies. All the food is bad. Smell, shut it as fast as he could. Lost his appetite. I mean, it, and I guess they hadn't been out there in a week or two. <laughs> and so everything was bad and dead. Flies were in everything. Now, now, what could you do right there? Dear Lord, what am I doing wrong? Wouldn't that be the first thought in your head? Where did I open the door for the devil here? And see, what I'm saying is, let's say a person's in a situation where they are going through a big financial problem, or maybe a huge bill comes in that's overwhelming, and they're already, you know, they're paying their bills, but there isn't that kind of money left, and there's a lot of pressure to get that done. Maybe it's a big tax bill they weren't expecting, and it's tens of thousands of dollars, and they weren't expecting that. And so it's sitting in there, and the mind's saying, oh, God, you know, how am I going to do? They're going to come get everything I got. You know, I mean, you know, all these thoughts are rolling through your head, right? Just picture that situation. Now, let's say we take a look at God's word. If you want to write this down, Philippians 4.19. The word of God says that all my needs are met according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Is that what that scripture says? Okay, go ahead and put that up because I don't think everybody knows it. That ought to be one everybody knows here. Now, everybody, when I said, is that what that says? No one said anything. And I mean, I'm sure this is probably a very popular scripture. So Philippians 4.19, and it says, But my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. See what it says here? Everybody say it with me. Say, my God shall supply all your need. All your need. Some of your need. All your need, all your need, according to my checking account. Is that what it says? No, it says what? According to who? His, who are we talking about? We're talking about the Lord, right? His riches in glory by Christ Jesus, not mine. So what is God promising here? That I will meet every need in your life, all right? Every need in your life and it's on me. Isn't that what he's saying? Now, wasn't that a good daddy? Right? Did he adopt us into the family of God? When he adopted us, do you think he knew? Oh, wait a minute now. You mean I have to pay for their things? How many know somebody's going to adopt the children? What are they taking responsibility for? They're taking responsibility for everything, aren't they? Right? And so God is saying, I'm taking responsibility. That all your needs are met according to what? His riches in glory, not my riches in glory, his riches in glory, right? So here I am going through all these financial problems. All these things are beating me down, and I'm not feeling very good. I mean, I, I mean, the devil's harassing me, constantly telling me about all the problems, about what they're going to do to me. I got friends who are going to say, oh, you owe the IRS? How much do you owe? They're not helping you. They're not encouraging you. And, and so you look to the Word of God, and what does the Word of God say? Holy cow! You mean to tell me, Lord, that you supply all my need according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus? Woo! That's something to get excited about. 
Now, how am I going to get excited about it? Only if I believe it. See, if I read it and say, all my needs are met. That's fine and dandy, Lord, but maybe that works for some people. But I don't know. Maybe, you know, yeah, that's your word, Lord, but, but I got a bill here, and that's just paper. That's just, that's just printed on this piece of paper. Millions of people have it. I, 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 need, I need cash. I need, you see where I'm going with this? In other words, you can choose what? Not to believe it. You can choose, oh, I'm not worthy, Lord. You couldn't do this for me. And see, does God have any restrictions on this? No. He said, I will meet all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. You may say, how do we convert this into joy? Well, the fact is, man, all my needs are met according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Lord, in the name of Jesus, according to your word, I cast all my care on you. I cast the care of that need on you. And I'm carefree right now. And I confess your word and I'm asking you, Father God, in the name of Jesus to meet that need. So, Father, I just thank you and praise you according to your word. I believe I receive that need met in Jesus' name. That need's not my need anymore. Praise God. Praise God. I'm expecting any moment, somehow, some way, God is going to provide that need. Because I believe that and I act on it. And if I believe it, what am I going to do? I'm going to act like it's on its way. Now, can I fake it? I'm really sad. I'm really depressed. (laughs) Lord, thank you for meeting my need. (laughs) Is that going to work? No. See, i got to believe it and act on it. What's acting on it? The only thing I can think to do is I'm going to pull that bill. I'm going to get an envelope and I'm going to mark it out. I'm going to write me a check. I'm not sending the check. Okay? But I'm going to write a check for the full payment and write there in the memo from his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And I'm going to put that there on the table. Father, I'm just so grateful that you meet my needs. I'm so grateful. I cast all my care, so it's not my problem anymore. And if it's not my problem, can I be joyful now? I don't have to be sad. See, I can choose to wallow in it. I can choose to focus on the problem. I can choose to focus on the lack or need. Or I can choose to focus on his word. And if I'll focus on his word, guess what? Then I can't be sad or depressed. Why? Because I'm believing it's coming in. You mean you really believe it's going to come in? Yeah, I believe it's coming in. It's coming in. I'm expecting it all the time. It's coming in somehow. Praise God, it's coming. It's coming. See, if I really believe it, then I believe God's word is true, and it's working, and I'm expecting it's working. But see, that's the problem is, that's faith. Everybody say faith. Faith is expecting God. Believing God's word and expecting it to perform, it to work. But a lot of people don't go that far. They say, oh, I believe the word of God. God's word is true. God's word is him speaking to me. That's as far as they take it. Well, that's wonderful. The devil believes it too, but it ain't doing him any good. But see, you've got to believe it. And if you believe it, wouldn't you get excited? Wouldn't you get excited? The doctor says, hey, Let's say it's the first time you heard about healing. And you find out from the word of God, wait a minute now. 1 Peter 2.24 says, by the stripes of Jesus, I was healed. And you keep on, I was healed. I 
was healed. Well, if I was, then I must be now. I'm healed. I'm healed. I'm healed. I'm healed. Praise God, I'm healed. Praise God, no matter what I feel, no matter what I see, no matter what circumstance, no matter what pain, praise God, I'm healed. Now see, if you'll stay with the Word and you'll stay focused on the Word, what's going to begin to get stirred up? Joy. Why? Because I'm expecting. I'm expecting. Everybody say expecting. If you believe the Word, how many of you would be excited when the Word offers you healing and it's a promise and God's faithful to His promise, why wouldn't you be excited about it? You ought to be thrilled. You ought to be thrilled that all my needs are met. Say it with me. All my needs are met according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Isn't that something to be excited about? Thrilled about. I'll never have another need again. I have no need. I have no lack. The Lord is my shepherd. Praise God. How can I not be filled with joy? But see, i got to be believing and acting. Believing. And if I believe the word, I'm going to get excited. Why? Because it's coming. Some things are about to change in my life. Are you believing? I want to ask you a question. I want to ask all of you. Are you believing for change in your life? Are you believing God's word is going to change the circumstances in your life? See, the, the fact is, if you're believing, then you've got to be full of joy because you're expecting. You know something's changing. Something's happening. How many believe the word's working, whether I see it or not? So if, if you came up here and I prayed for you in the name of Jesus, laid my hands on you, and the Bible says that I lay hands on the sick, they will recover they will recover, then what should that person be doing? Leaping and praising God because my recovery draws nigh. Amen? I'm excited and expecting. Praise God. I might not see the recovery yet, but it's on its way. It's on its way. I'm excited. It's on its way. But see, a lot of people don't really believe the word. They just, oh, well, that's nice. That, that's nice. And that's as far as it'll take you. But if you believe the Word of God and you act on it, it will stir up joy every single time. And what will that joy do? How many agree sometimes there's a time frame between you releasing your faith and you seeing the manifestation of it, right? There's a time frame. I may lay hands on you and the Bible says you will recover. That means what? Is it an option to recover? If you stand on the word and you stick with it and say, praise God, I'm recovered. Pastor laid hands on me. Praise God, I'm recovered. And that's the only thing. You're just praising God. You're just expecting. I'm expecting. If, not, if I don't feel it tonight, maybe I'll wake up in the morning completely recovered. But recovering's coming. Why? Because God's word's always true. He's always faithful. So recovery's coming. And I'm praising God. Praise God, Father. I am recovered. I am recovered. I am recovered. Now, what will help sustain me through that difficult time of waiting for the recovery? Well, joy. Joy will sustain me. How did Jesus make it to the cross? For the joy that was set before him. What was that joy? He was thinking of you and me. He was thinking, praise God, this is going to be over soon. I'm going to rise from the dead soon. 
See, just in a few days, he, he just kept his eye on the Word. He kept his eye on joy. And he's, he's looking at the Word and he's saying, it won't be long. It won't be long. Just a few more days. How many believe you can make it through anything in life if you just know just a few more days? Just a few more days of this hell and I'm on the other side of it. Remember what did he say? When we would go through the shadow, remember the uh, valley of the shadow of death? What are we doing? Remember, I've taught you this a thousand times if I taught you once. We're walking through the valley of the shadow of death. We're not camping there. We're not living there. But what does the devil want you to do when you're in the middle of hell? He wants you to think you're never leaving this place. This is the way it's going to be. This is how your marriage is going to be. This is how your body's going to be. This is how your finances is going to be. And you're never going to escape it. And see, the problem is... When someone puts their eye on the problem and stares at it long enough, that's all they can see. And that's where sadness and depression come from. That's where sadness and depression come from. But if you'll get your eye on the Word and start building your faith up and you're expecting change, you know change is just around the corner. Change is just around the corner. This problem is just finished around the corner. If I go just a little bit, if I won't quit, and I'll just stay with it. I am assured of victory. Did Jesus not tell us we'd be victorious? He just didn't say how fast, did he? There may be a little gap here, but just like Jesus, keep your eye on the joy set before you. What's the joy set before you? The promise of God's word coming true. Amen? How many got some family you want to see come to the Lord? Some of you have already given up. Or you don't think about it anymore. You don't talk about it anymore. The fact is, pray for them in the name of Jesus and then begin to talk out of your mouth the Word of God. And that's it. And you don't give up. And you don't give up. Say, maybe this will be the week. Maybe, maybe today will be the day. So you wake up in the morning, what you do is you get up and say, this is the day the Lord has made. I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. Maybe this is the day that I'm going to see some of those changes. But it's coming. It's coming. Everybody say, it's coming. It's, I, I'm expecting. I'm expecting. Oral Roberts used to say, you know, expect a blessing. Just go out and expect it. Expect God to do the miraculous. Expect things to happen in your life. Be looking for them. Instead, all we're usually doing is looking for the next problem, the next challenge, the next difficulty. If everything can go wrong, one more thing will be added to it. I know for sure. I mean, we're going to plan our vacation, but you know what happens every time we plan our vacation. Something's going to go wrong, and something will be added to it. Don't talk like that. Amen? Amen? All right, go with me to John chapter 15, verses 7 through 11. I don't know how many times I decide, I'm going to shorten this up. <laughs> Never happens. I'm sitting there thinking, man, I'm going to try to make it 35 minutes today. I'm probably pushing that right now, maybe a little over. Praise God, though. John 15, 7 through 11. If you abide in me. Now, Jesus, how many believe Jesus is speaking here? Okay, in your Bibles, it would be in red. <laughs> how many believe Jesus says what he means and means what he says? How many would agree with me? So can we take his word literally? It's not figurative, it's literally. Who is he talking to? Well, in this case, he's talking to me. He's talking to you. He says here, if you abide in me. Now, that word abide, okay, is not a word we all use. Like, I don't, I don't talk to you and say, 
I abide in 2806 West Atlanta Place. I say what? I, what? I live, right? I live. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't just visit my house. I might visit a vacation spot, but I live in my house, okay? I'm, if I'm not here, there's a very high probability that I'm there, okay? In other words, I live there, right? I don't visit there occasionally. I live there. I abide there, or that is my abode, okay? I'm there most of the time, and then I take off from there, and my life is extended from home. That's the same case for all of us. Everybody got that? So this word abide, when he means that, what he means is this. He means make my permanent home. Live there. Live there. What do you do at home? You eat, sleep, you take care of things, you pay bills, you, you live there. So when we say live there, does it just mean you go sleep there? Or does it mean you're in and out? Your life flows through your home. Everybody getting that? So this, I want you to think of that when we read this. If you abide in me, what he's saying is if you live in me, if you operate your life through me, if everything you do is through me, he says, and my words live in you. My words work through you. Are you guys seeing this? My words abide in you. They, you live in my word. You make decisions by my word. You think through my word. You speak my word. You will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. Do you realize in John 15, 7, Jesus gave you an unrestricted access to him? I want everybody to read it again. Look here, just John 15, 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. Can you guys see the open ticket here? Did he give you any restrictions other than what? You abide in my words and abide in me. My words abide in you, you abide in me, and you will ask what you desire. Everybody say, what I desire. Could you desire a fancy new sports car? Could you desire a speedboat? Could you desire a vacation home? Could you desire a 120-inch 8K television? Everybody laughed, but could you desire it, right? Could I desire $1,000 to give to missions or $10,000 towards a parking lot? Arbitrarily, of course. Everybody get what I'm saying? It's my desire. He didn't say his desire, my desire, and he said it'll be done. It'll be done. That ought to give you some joy right there. If Bill Gates told you, I'm going to give you an unlimited credit card and you can use on whatever you want to use, how many of you would be excited? You'd be flipping your lids. You're like, I could spend a billion dollars. Woo! God gave you something better than that. And you don't even think about it. Oh, why aren't you excited about that, but you were excited about Bill Gates? How many of you know God's word is better than Bill Gates? Will he give you anything you desire? How could God make a promise like that? Because some of you are like, are you telling me that God would give me anything I desire? 
Well, there is one little minor restriction that he believes he'll follow. Could you pray outside his word? No. Because what did he say? If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire. Is God's word going to affect what we desire? So I'm not going to ask for my neighbor's wife, am I? I'm, I'm not asking, God, I want the biggest vacation in the world so I can live in sin for six weeks. I'm not going to ask for that. Why? Because my desires were impacted by his word. But I'm telling you guys, he gave you his word here. You can ask for whatever you desire. If you've done what he said to do, let's continue. Verse 8, by this my father is glorified, that you bear much fruit. So in other words, actually by you asking and receiving, God is being glorified. And you're bearing much fruit. He likes that. God wants you to be fruitful in life. He wants you to grow in life. Amen? He wants you to prosper. That's how God gets glory. Now look here. He says, so you will be my disciples. Verse 9. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. Remember, what is that word abide? We live there, right? We live our life out of it. Okay. So he's like, abide in my love. Live in my love. Verse 10. If you keep my commandments or my word, you will abide in my love. How do we abide in God's love? By living in his word. By living in his word. By changing our thinking to think like him. How do I do that? Through his word, right? I speak his word. Are you guys following me on this? Just stay with me. Just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you. My joy. Who's got joy? Okay, well, no, but look what he says. Whose joy is he saying remaining in us? His joy. Jesus is saying that my joy may remain in you. He wants his joy to remain in you. And he also says what? I want your joy to what? Be full. Be full. Another translation says overflow. Overflow. He wants your joy to overflow. But how is your joy going to overflow? The connection is God's word. Listen to me carefully. I want every eye on me, and I'm going to wrap it up, and we'll just call it part two next time because I can already see everybody's full. Okay? Everybody's already right there. I can see it in your eyes because everybody's like, Dan, take any more, preacher. Now listen, I just let me get this one last thing in here. Okay? Will you guys let me do that? Give me five minutes, and I'll wrap it up. All right? Listen, everybody say God's word. Say it again, God's word. Now God's word, I've, told, I've taught you this many times, God's word, God and his word are one and the same, right? Can you separate God from his word? If you read God's word and you meditate on it, it's no different than if Jesus manifested right there and talked to you, Philip. As far as God's concerned, it is exactly the same thing. In other words, as real as you make it, as real as you get this inside you, as you meditate on it, as you begin to speak it and agree with it and begin to think it and begin to live it in your life, what are you doing? Jesus said, in doing that, you're abiding in my love. In my love. Now, what is God's love? What is God? He is love. Can you see all this kind of mingling together? 
it all just kind of comes together. When you hang around God's Word all the time, who are you really hanging around? God. You begin to think like Him. How many would agree that in your life, that if you've been in a good Word church for a while, your thinking begins to change? You're not the same person you were. I don't think like I used to. I think differently. In fact, now I think about what I think about. There was a time I didn't think about what I thought about. My mind would think about anything. Wouldn't give it a thought. But now I think about what I'm thinking about. I think about what I'm saying. I think about everything in my life. And what do I compare it to? I compare it to the Word of God here. I I live by the Word. Now remember that word abide? That word abide, what does it mean? To live through. To live in. I live through my home. How about you? I live through it. I do everything through my home. I, I think, I talk, I live. I, I do everything in my life. I abide there. I live there. What God is saying is in His Word, live through my Word. Don't make it, oh, the Word of God, yes, that's what we do on Sundays. Maybe an occasional Wednesday. Don't, don't do that. You, you live here. I make all my decisions here. That means if I find it in the Word, when I first discovered, for example, tithing, and I'm coming across it, holy cow, the Word of God says, test me now in this. And He tells me all that it would do. Well, praise God, sounds like a good deal to me. How many agree it's a good deal? God is saying, if you'll just honor me with 10%, <laughs> what will He do? I'll open the windows of heaven and I'll pour out so much blessing in your life you can't contain it. Sounds like a deal to me. And God's always true. He never lies. Is He always faithful to His Word? So that's what I'm doing. Praise God. At least get the checkbook out. Woo! We're going to be good. And I'm excited because I'm expecting. That, well, I walk around all the time. Praise God. The windows of heaven are open over me. Praise God. I'm looking for God's blessing. I'm looking for His favor. And guess what I found? Guess what I found? His favor. I found his blessing. I found, oh my gosh, the word works. Dear Lord. Now he told the Old Testament, test me now in this. God's not going around saying, because if you test him, if you say, I'll try it, Lord, just to see if it works. Well, you're setting yourself up for failure because the devil will ensure everything goes to pot. Because the first time somebody steps out there and says, I'm going to do it now, I'm going to do it faithfully. It seems like a week later, dear Lord, everything went wrong that could go wrong. But see, that's, that's the devil. What is he trying to do? He's trying to steal the word, isn't he? He's trying to steal the word that I got in my heart the week before. I remember my old pastor, he said this when he was real young, and he, got, he, he learned about tithing, <laughs> and he learned about faith. And so he said, I, I, I went home, and I was so excited, and I told my wife, Linda, we're never going to be broke again. Man, we're going to be, we're going to, we're going to do really well. Why? I found a promise in the word of God and we're going to act on it. We're going to do it and praise God. We're going to love God and we're going to honor his word and we're going to tithe. We're going to be okay. Everything's going to be fine. He said a week went by and he hadn't even had a chance to tithe the second time. (laughs) And he said, this went wrong. That went wrong. This went wrong. That went wrong. This went wrong. And he said, I was getting to the point that I was so broke. He said, this is before everybody had little credit cards, you know, and things like that. He's like, I was down to the last little bit. And he's thinking about who he could ask to borrow because that was his old habit. I'll go ask my brother Bob for 10 bucks. He'll give it to me. And I, but then he started thinking, wait a minute now. I told everybody God's word. I went and bragged to everybody about how I'll never be broke again because I'm going to be a tither. He's like, I can't go back on that now. 
But I can go to mom. She won't tell anybody. <laughs> anyway, he said, no, I can't do it. Man, I told everybody God's word's going to do it. Now, what is the devil trying to do there? The devil is trying to steal the word. that The word was enlightened to him, wasn't it? He saw the word. Yeah, I got it. I see it. And he started to act on it. And the minute he did, what does the Bible say in Mark chapter 4? Satan comes immediately to steal the word what is he trying to do he's trying to steal your joy because he had joy when the word enlightened right what does the word produce joy i believe it man this is a good deal praise god well he said i can't ask mom man i I can't do it because i promised god i wouldn't borrow anymore i told god that 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 i'm going to honor him with the tithe and all be well so he said in desperation (laughs) he said I went home and got on my knees. And I said, Father, in the name of Jesus, according to your word, you supply all my need. And I committed to be a tither. And I'm not going to go borrow the money from anybody. So I'm asking you, Lord, for $20. I just believe I receive it in Jesus' name. And he let it go at that. He said, within five minutes, his phone call comes in. And he says, hi. And this is an older lady who knows. And they needed a fridge moved up to an apartment. And so he says, sure, I'll come by and help. So he goes over there, and he, he gets with another guy, and they, they put it up. And when it was all said and done, the, the woman says, here, I just want to be a blessing, and gave him 20 bucks. Now, the first thing he did was look at it and say, dear Lord, why didn't I ask for 40? <laughs> but, but do you see how the word worked? Why? He refused to quit. Did you, did you see that in the story? He refused to quit. He wouldn't let the devil take the word. He said, no, devil, you can't have that. Amen? What what does the word produce? Joy, if I believe it. How many of you believe the word? Amen? How many believe the word? Do you believe the word? Are you expecting the word? Are you expecting healing in your body? Because the word says, by the stripes of Jesus, I was healed. And if I was healed, I am healed. Are you expecting? Say, I'm expecting. I'm expecting blessings. Amen. You guys are big givers. Are you expecting it to come back every way? What does the Bible say? Jesus said what? That if we'd give, it'd be given back to us. What? Pressed down, shaken together, running over, it would be given back to us. Man, isn't that cool? That means I want to give to everybody because what? It's going to come back to me even more. Why wouldn't, now wouldn't that produce a cheerful giver? Why? I'm expecting. I'm expecting. I'm looking, this really works. And it does work, guys. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Let's just worship the Lord for a moment. Glory to God.